Hare Krishna. This is Vindasura Ruptas here. Manchakalpa, Tribhyascha, Kripa Sindhu, Bhyabhachapatitanam, Bhavani, Bhyabhachapatitanam, Namo Namaha. So we are ready to continue our class in the 11th Canto Srimad Bhagavatam, Chapter 20, called Pure Devotional Service. And uh, today we begin with, we're up to text number 9. Uh, previously, uh, we have been the section where, where Krishna introduces what he what, are, what is it the three paths of karma, jnana, and, and bhakti, uh, uh, and to explain why uh, one has to sometimes transcend the distinction between piety and, and sin. Uh, because they are relative to the processes of elevation. So he's uh, uh, mentioned these three paths, uh, jnana yoga, uh, those who are disgusted with material life, that's the qualification, and therefore detached. Those people who still are happy in the material life are not uh, finished with it, have many desires yet to fulfill, they should seek karma yoga and then the qualification for bhakti is given in text 8 um, uh, uh, if somehow or other by good fortune uh, the word here the important word here is Ritschaya uh, uh, and actually Vishnu Chagavari Thakur explicitly says people translate this or interpret it as good fortune but if you use that term good fortune then you say well that could be because of past previous activities so Krishna Chakravarti doesn't like that so much and it just means something that happens of its own accord uh, it's causeless uh, it's Krishna's mercy and we discussed about how this Krishna's mercy really lies with the devotees who give it. Uh, and so there's sometimes no traceable reason for it. There isn't any traceable reason for it. You didn't deserve it. And why the devotee gives it, and maybe some get it and some don't, is also it's just spontaneous. Uh, uh, so... But if you've developed this faith by by Yadrichaya, somehow the association of devotees and you've got this faith, and you're not really super disgusted with the material world nor attached to it, then this is the qualification for bhakti. Uh, so now uh, we're up to text number nine, where he's discussing these... these uh, 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 continuing along this line. So, text 9, which I'll read now. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So 9 goes, Tavat Karmani Kurvita Nani Virjita Yavata Matkata Shavanado Va Shraddha-yavam-jayate. Uh, it's translated, 
<clears throat> as long as one is not satiated by fruitive activities and has not awakened his taste for devotional service by Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, one has to act according to the regulative principles of the Vedic injunctions. Excuse me. <clears throat> but so long as uh, up to that time uh, that one is uh, one Tavad uh, Yavad uh, so long as this and as long as that Tavad Yavad Yavata up to that time one should uh, execute karma fruit of activity, as long as one is nanyavidyeta, which is translated here, is not uh, satiated, uh, uh, really disgusted. The the word satiate in English has kind of two meanings. Uh, The first meaning is just to satisfy, to gratify, to completely it's, it's not a bad word but then the the second meaning that's come about is to gratify beyond your natural desires to weary or disgust by repletion to glut you know, you've had too much <laughs> and you don't want your, the you know the eighth or tenth you get up to the tenth chocolate covered cherry and not only you don't, don't want any, they make you sick to your stomach. That's what they mean by disgust, like over too much. <laughs> so this is, this, is the idea, the, this is how they're using the term satiated here in, in the bad sense of the term. And so, because nirvid really means to be despondent or depressed or disgusted. Uh, only the second sense of satiate. Uh, so as long as this hasn't arisen, uh, 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 and uh, one hasn't uh, awakened his faith in uh, matkata, because uh, uh, the word here in, in the narration of my glories. Shravana Adao in the matter of Shravana, etc. Shravana, Kirtana, Smaram, and so on. That faith is not there. Then you perform your karma. Karma meaning prescribed duties. Uh, 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 um, the, uh, let's see in there. Yeah, there's a long purport here uh, to this, uh, and uh, most of it's uh, repeating Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, and uh, then they add a few more things from Sri Jiva Goswami. So Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, I'll just go directly to their source. Uh, he says, it's natural that the overly attached Jiva is qualified for karma. When will he become qualified for jnana and bhakti? He should perform his daily and periodic duties, this karmani, uh, uh, the ones you do every day and the ones you do on special occasions, 
as long as he has not purified his heart by karmas, that is to say by, by pious activity, and has not become detached, then when he becomes detached, he's qualified for jnana. This was already stated in text 7. Or he should continue his karma until faith in the topic of the Lord arises by sudden mercy of the devotees. Sudden mercy is yadritschaya. Uh, that it comes and you don't know where it comes from or how it comes or something you haven't built up or done anything before that faith uh, he was qualified only for karma when the faith appears as explained in the previous verse he becomes qualified only for bhakti and is no longer qualified for karma this faith should be exclusive the person has firm faith that he will reach perfection by hearing about the Lord, not by karma or jnana. This arises only by association with pure devotees. Uh, uh, and then he quotes a verse. I'll just read the translation. It's also quoted here in the text. The Shruti and Smriti literature Literature is to be understood as my injunction, and one who violates such codes is to be understood as violating my will and thus opposing me. Although such a person may claim to be my devotee, he is not actually a Vaishnava. Thus the Lord does not disobey the Lord's order. Rather, when he develops faith, he will never disobey the orders of the Lord. Uh, uh. Uh, so, so that's the general rule. I mean, Prabhupada has stated quite clearly, give a, a very interesting class on morality, that sometimes in connection with Krishna, what is immoral becomes moral, and what is moral becomes immoral. Uh, um, like, like when. He gives the example of Prahlad Maharaj is just seen his father killed and he's glorifying the killer of his father <laughs> and garlanding him. That's not that's usually not what you do. It would be considered really immoral uh, to do that. But because it, we're dealing with Krishna, what it was usually immoral becomes moral. And what is moral sometimes becomes immoral. He get, Prabhupada gives the example of Maharaj Yudhishthir when it was discovered uh, that uh, Jonacharya could not be killed uh, unless he heard that his son Ashvatthama uh, uh, was, was killed and he wasn't uh, so therefore they, uh, he asked Yudhishthira to, to lie to, to, to tell him that his son was dead uh, because if anybody else told him, he wouldn't believe him. But if Yudhisthira, who never told a lie, told him, then he would believe him. So he picked on Yudhisthira. And Yudhisthira hesitated to obey Krishna. He didn't want to do it. Uh, and, uh, and so then, then Krishna gives him an out. There was an elephant named Ashvatthama <laughs> that died. So he could tell him, that just, don't mention it's an elephant. So he gave him a... a a way to way to way to process the thing, <laughs> and and, and uh, 
But then Prabhupada said, because he hesitated to obey Krishna, then afterwards his chariot, which always was ne- wheels never touched the ground, touched the ground. Uh, because he was attached to being moral. Uh, so this was, this was the class that Prabhupada gave. Sometimes it's switched. These things are switched. Uh, at least many times, uh, at least during, in my generation, those of us who became devotees disobeyed our parents. In fact, I had some, some person move into the temple and some uh, cousin or something was set in and was sitting there with the Bible with this person it says, the Bible says to honor thy father and mother. <laughs> and your father and mother are upset with what you're doing. <laughs> you use that, that, that thing. Well, yeah, so, so you disobeyed your parents uh, to become a devotee. Uh, but as a rule, whenever possible, you don't obey the, the orders of the Lord. But if the Lord gives you another order that supersedes that one, then, uh, because after all, Krishna does say, Sarvadharmam Pritjajam Amekam Sarvambhaja. I mean, he says like that. Uh, anyway, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur goes on to say, uh, 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 so how does he... He says other things. He says some persons say that even he's just said Krishna Chakravarti says some persons say that even if he does not obtain the mercy of a great of great devotees, and consequently does not develop that faith on seeing the excellence of other devotees, not the greatest devotees, any of that great, he gives up karma and takes to worship of the Lord, following his orders. He doesn't deny this, but he just gives this others say that since Shruti and Smriti recommend Bhakti not Varnashram a person understanding this like the Bhagavad Gita for example takes to Bhakti even if he doesn't meet the greatest devotees uh, because the Lord says and then he quotes the verse uh, from uh, uh, chapter 11 in the 11th canto verse 32 a person who, understanding the good and bad aspects of Dharma, as taught by me, gives up all his duties and simply worships me. That's the best of all who understands this. Um, he just gives these two, two uh, Then he says, devotees may think that, since they are devotees following purely, it is not necessary to follow injunction, prohibitions, and shruti and smitri such as vows like a codice, and forbidden acts like putting coconut water in a bell metal vessel, which I didn't know was forbidden. I don't think I've ever done that. But, or putting yogurt or milk in a copper vessel, or eating the Lord's offering before offering to the, before offering to the Lord. That we understand. However, understanding that the Shruti and Smriti are the Lord's order, they should follow those instructions. Then he has this interesting observation. Some pure devotees in the eastern provinces, because of pressure from karmis with which they have close contact, may perform karma. 
but this is not actually performance of karma because it is done without faith in those acts. In other words, you just do it just to get along. <laughs> so uh, he, he mentions that kind of thing. Uh, so they quote uh, 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 this, um, and, and then here, here uh, following other purports, they also point out in the Bhagavatam, one who is actually engaged in advanced devotional service immediately develops both clear knowledge of Krishna consciousness and detachment from non-devotional activities. They're quoting Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojitaha. That's 127 in the Bhagavatam. Janayat Yashu Vairagyam Gyanam Chadhaitukin. So there's, uh, there arises Gyana and Vairagya. So that, that uh, Vairagya can be a detachment from non-devotional activities. One who is not situated on this platform must comply with the ordinary injunctions of Vedic literature or risk becoming inimical to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. On the other hand, one who has developed great faith in the devotional service of Lord Krishna does not hesitate to do anything that will further the mission of the Lord. And then he quotes uh, from the 11th canto, text 541, uh, anyone who has taken shelter of the lotus feet of Mukunda, the giver of liberation, gives up all kinds of obligations and has, ta- has taken to the path uh, uh, in all seriousness and has taken to the path in all seriousness. This owes no neither duties nor obligations to the demigods, sages, general living entities, family members, humankind, or the forefathers. And Prabhupada has quoted that verse a number of times. Srila Jiva Goswami, I'm continuing from the BBT purport. Srila Jiva Goswami points out in this regard that when a person fully surrenders to Lord Krishna, he takes shelter of the Lord's promise to liquidate all other responsibilities and debts of the surrendered soul. The devotee thus becomes fearless by meditating on the Lord's promise of protection. Those, however, who are materially attached are frightened by the prospect of fully surrendered to the personality of Godhead, thereby revealing their inimical mentality uh, toward the Lord. Uh-huh. So one should follow the regular principles uh, and not whimsically give them up, but at the same time, uh, the priority is satisfying the Lord. And if if the injunction of the the duty of the Lord causes one somehow to to, uh, uh, break break these uh, injunctions, then uh, then, then it should be done. I mean, because Prabhupada also, like, for example, he told his earliest disciples, this was not a thing that got transmitted very often, that when you when you meet your parents, you should immediately offer them obeisances, which dirty devotees used to do, and the parents would get, like, really upset. <laughs> but that, that's, that's, that's the etiquette, actually. That's pretty conjunction. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so so uh, um, uh, 
Uh, now, uh, with text 10, Swadharmosto Yajanyajnaya Anashi Kama Uddhava Nayati Swarada Narakum Yadyanyan Natsmara Charet My dear Uddhava, a person who is situated in his prescribed duties, Swadharma is there, that's your Dharma. There's there's Swadharma which is your prescribed duties according to your position in the system of varna and ashram. That's your swadharma. And then Prabhupada, in one purport in the Bhagavad Gita, contrasts this to sanatana dharma, which comes from the soul. This is so my dear Uddhava, a person who is situated in his swadharma, uh, yajan yajanai uh, uh, worshipping by Vedic sacrifices uh, so we're talking about a Brahmin here uh, and anashi kama not desiring fruitive results so here, here's the situation the person is situated in a swadharma following the rules and regulations performing karma but not desiring fruit of results. Uh, Uddhava, <laughs> he says. Nayati Swarga Narako. He doesn't go either to Swarga or to hell. He goes to neither place. <laughs> How do they translate it? But, oh, no, uh, uh, that, okay. Uh, they make it into one big sentence. A person who is situated in the prescribed duties, properly worshipping by Vedic sacrifices, but not desiring the fruit of results of such worship, worship, will not go to the heavenly planets. Similarly, by not performing forbidden activities, he will not go to hell. This is the last line. Nayati, uh, he doesn't go, Svarga Narako, to one or the other. That, that's a the compound. He doesn't go to Svarga and he doesn't go to uh, Naraka. Uh, 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 yadi Anyana, if he also uh, doesn't perform uh, something other than his prescribed duties, that is to say, something sinful. Uh, uh, so he. So they put it this way. He doesn't desire refutive results, so he'll not go to the heavenly planets. He's performing. That's usually the result of Vedic sacrifices. You go to Sparta. Uh, uh, but he won't go there because he doesn't want to go. He's not interested in going there. He doesn't desire these results. He's not greedy for it. Huh? And similarly, since he doesn't perform any any forbidden activities, uh, he he doesn't go to hell either. Right? Uh, uh, so here it says uh, the perfection of karma yoga is described here. This is the BBT. 
One who does not desire fruitive rewards for his religious activities does not waste time going to the heavenly planets for celestial sense gratification. Similarly, one who does not neglect his prescribed duties or perform forbidden activities will not be bothered by going to hell for punishment. Thus, avoiding material rewards and punishment, such a desireless person can be promoted to the platform of pre-devotional service uh, to Lord Krishna. Uh, So that's the... uh, uh, That person then then has become qualified. I I therefore... uh, uh, for one or the other, uh, actually, they say they say here is uh, um, can be promoted to the platform of pure devotional service, but then uh, uh, yeah, this is picked up in in the next uh, verse, uh, text number eleven, and they're dealing with this person now. Asmin loke vartamana sodhanamasto anaga suchihi kyanam vishuddham apnoti madbhaktim va yadrichchaya. They add this, yet, there's the word again, yadrichchaya. We discussed that. <laughs> we discussed that. Here it is, this very important word, yadrichchaya. Uh, uh, so, uh, one who is situated in his prescribed duties, swadharma, uh, uh, free from sinful activities, uh, anagaha, uh, and cleansed of material uh, uh, contamination, suchihi, uh, uh, in this very life, asmin loke varatamana. In, here in this world now, uh, uh, obtains jnanam vishuddham apnoti, transcendental knowledge, or yeah, pure knowledge, vishuddha, they translate as transcendental, madbhaktamva, uh, or my, my devotional service, yadrichchaya which again they translate here as according to one's fortune. So this is in text 8, somehow or other by good fortune or uh, somehow or other uh, one's fortune. Uh, but that doesn't mean your past pious or sinful activities. It's sheer luck, you might say. Uh, you, anyway, you cause it. Here, the uh, purport here says, Asmin loke indicates one's present duration of life. We already said that. Before the death of one's present body, one can obtain transcendental knowledge or, by great fortune, pure devotional service to the Supreme Lord. So the jnana will come as a result of that purity. Uh, the word yadrichchaya indicates that if somehow or other one gets the association of pure devotees and hears from them faithfully, one can achieve Krishna consciousness. That's uh, the highest perfection of life. Uh, 
According to Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, through transcendental knowledge one obtains liberation. Jnanam Vishuddham. Whereas through pure devotional service one can achieve love of God. In which liberation is automatically included. Both results are certainly superior to ordinary fruit of activities uh, by which one tries to enjoy much the same thing that animals do. If one's devotional service, here they're still following uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, but he's a little more precise. If one's devotional service is mixed with a tendency toward fruitive activities or mental speculation, then one may achieve the neutral stage of love of Godhead. Whereas those who are inclined to serve only Lord Krishna advance to the higher stage of love of Godhead in servitude, friendship, parental love, and the conjugal relationship. Now here's what Vishnu Chagavari Thakura says. What does this performer of karma attain? So he's doing karma, although it's nishkarma karma, nishkama karma. Situated on this planet, performing his duties, sinless because of performing nishkama karma, desireless uh, karma, pure in heart because of no sin, he attains jnana and liberation. If he unexpectedly attains the association with persons practicing pure bhakti, he attains pure bhakti to me. Then he attains prema. If he attains association with karma mishra bhaktas or jnana mishra bhaktas, by that type of bhakti he attains shantirati. So in e- according to Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, in either case, Bhakti depends upon the association of devotees, which then don't don't repeat there uh, here in, in, in the purport. And so that's 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 how he he puts it. Uh, uh, Shanta rati, uh, uh, neutral uh, rati, uh, and uh, so so this this is. Uh, yeah, this is the the uh, a kind of a uh, it's a kind of devotion. Uh, that's uh, there's been a dispute among 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 uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavas whether the the the, the uh, uh, shanti becomes uh, is actually a rasa or not because there's no it's passive adoration with a strong sense of the Lord's glories. So whether that really counts uh, 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 as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as one of the rasas or not, uh, as devotional service, actually, because there's not service. It's passive adoration. But, but, but we have included it. Uh, I mean, Prabhupada has included it as, uh, as um, Shanta Rasa. Um, and other, others say that it doesn't really, uh, really count. So that's the end of this particular uh, section where the, the discussion has been going on now of, uh, of uh, starting with text number uh, um, six where the Lord has presented these three paths 
uh, of karma, jnana, and bhakti, and described how they exist, how one gets from one to the other, or how one or the other comes about, and what are the qualifications for each? And very, you know, just a few verses, but really explained a lot of, of, about this, about about karma, uh, done with attachment and then done with detachment, and how if it's done with detachment, it can give rise to to jnana and also, if if you're in that state and you get some of the association devotees, you can be given uh, uh, bhakti. Uh, now we uh, there's a somewhat of a change of uh, uh, topic because from now from text 12 going up uh, through 17, the Lord is now going to glorify or praise the human form of life. Uh, uh, where this takes place. So in text 12, uh, Svargino ti etam ischanti. This Svarginaha is plural for the Svargi, Svargi, the resident of Swarga, and the Nirayi, the resident of hell. Where well, it's in the plural, the residents. Svarginaha and Nirayinaha. Niraya is another name for hell. Uh, so these, these, the Swargis and the Nirayis. Uh, um, uh, and so this itam itshanti. Lokam Nirayinastata. Sarakam Jnana bhakti byam ubayam tam So the residents of both heaven and hell desire human birth on the earth planet because human life facilitates the achievement of transcendental knowledge and love of Godhead, whereas neither heavenly nor hellish bodies efficiently provide such opportunities. If you look at the text, uh, the residents of the heavenly planets, uh, even, api, actually, even the residents of heavenly planets desire this loka, ichchanti uh, lokam, loka being the earth planet, the earth planet, and the residents of hell, tata, in the same way. They desire it. Uh, Uh, and the reason is they desire it because uh, because it provides this opportunity. Uh, it's sadhakam leads to the achievement of jnana uh, and bhakti, uh, where both neither both heaven and hell uh, are asadhakam are not useful. Here sadhakam means useful, and asadhakam means not useful. Or doesn't make that provision. There's no here. There's a process leading to the achievement of bhakti, jnana, or bhakti. No such process is available either in heaven or in hell. So that's what they have in common. <laughs> you may wonder these two contrasts. <laughs> this is what uh, they're both at, uh, missing out on. Uh, 
uh, uh, that uh, that that regard here. Um, um, the, in in the BBT purport, uh, Srila Jiva Goswami points out that in material heaven, one becomes absorbed in extraordinary sense gratification, and in hell one is absorbed in suffering. Both the sense gratification and the suffering are overwhelming. In both cases, there is little impetus to acquire transcendental knowledge or pure devotional service. Excessive suffering and or excessive enjoyment are thus impediments to spiritual advancement, simply because they grab your attention so thoroughly. Vishnu uh, Chakravarti says, Krishna praises the human body for attaining liberation and prema in six verses. That's, so he announces, he tells, gives us a little road, road sign here, his next six verses. Human life produces jnana and bhakti. Heavenly or hellish bodies do not produce these, he says simply. Uh, so that's why. Yeah. And then, uh, next, continuing in this wise, na nara swargatim kankshin narakim va vichakshanaha Neman lokam chakansheta, kankshita, deva veshat pramadyati. A human being who is wise, vichakshana uh, is the word there for wise, a human being who is wise should never desire promotion to the heavenly planets or residence in hell. Indeed, a human being should never, also never desire permanent residence on earth, for by subsorption in the material body, one fool, becomes foolishly negligent of one's actual self-interest. Uh, uh, so, uh, I have this word for wise, vichakshana, uh, means a learned person. It comes from the, the verb, Vichaksh, uh, 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 meaning to see distinctly or clearly. Uh, uh, basically, me uh, originally, yeah, to appear or to shine. So then it says also to see something that appears clearly. So a person who sees clearly, clear-sighted person, therefore mentally clear-sighted means wise. Mm-hmm. So this this person who's a clear-sighted person, a chakshana, uh, a human, a nara, a human being who's clear-sighted, should desire neither swagatim, swa is heavenly planets, uh, swagatim, going to the going to heaven, uh, nor uh, uh, naraki. Naraki to hell. Na uh, na imam lokam. The second line. Namam na imam lokam cha kangshita. Neither should he desire 
to hang around here on on earth <laughs> this place either uh, 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 and why is that deha uh, veshat uh, becoming absorbed uh, where, if you desire that, you become absorbed. You, you want to hang around on earth because you think the body is nice, you know. The deha, aveshat, become absorbed of the, the, the body. Pramadyati, you become a fool. Uh, 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 um, uh, when uh, when Banu Swami uh, translates this, he says, "A human being who is wise should never desire swarga or hell." Suppose maybe some people desire it. We keep have the legend, the Faust legend: you sell your soul to the devil or something. Uh, a uh, human being should also never desire continuous residence on earth. So by subsorption in the material body, one forgets about jnana and bhakti. He spells it out here. Because this is Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's purport. Having attained the excellent human form, one should not desire lower forms in Svarga or hell. He calls them both lower. <laughs> by piety or sinful acts. You're really the best situated. You really are. Uh, One should not desire to remain on earth comfortably by avoiding sin. Because if you do, you know, if if you're just pious and and you have material desires, you can also just stay here. Uh, Because one forgets about jnana and bhakti by attachment to the body. Uh, uh, he, he, he says, uh, well, I guess we maybe we, we should not enough time to do the next verse. I don't think. Okay, let's do one more. Uh, uh, Fourteen, Ethad. Etad vidvan, knowing this, etad vidvan, pura mrityor, abhavaya gatita saha, apramata idam jnatva, marcham apyartasidhidam. A wise person, knowing that although the material body is subject to death, uh, uh, so we're continuing with the wise person of the uh, previous uh, chapter. Uh, previous, excuse me, previous verse. A wise person knowing all that although the material body is subject to death, uh, it can still award the perfection of one's life. Uh, oh, I see. A wise person, knowing that although the material body is subject to death, it can still award the perfection of one's life, should not foolishly neglect to take advantage of this opportunity before death arises. Okay, we all know the material is going to die. That's the big thing that we worry about. But that's not, and it doesn't make it useless at all. In fact, it still has that uh, 
Swami translates this, a wise person, knowing that the human body, though temporary, allows attainment of perfection, uh, one should, that wise person should act for freedom from samsara before death. Knowing the use of the human body, he should not be lazy. So it's got all kinds of, maybe a number of disadvantages, but this one thing is like, whoa. Uh, and this is basically Vishnu Chakravarti's purport that Bhagavan is following. So this is, uh, so uh, uh, he, he says, apramatta, without being, uh, you can say apramatta is lazy or foolish. Uh, we're distracted by different things. Uh, knowing this, uh, that this the body is, is marjam mortal, uh, even though mortal marjam yeah, artha siddham it gives uh, the uh, artha siddha the the perfect goal of life, siddhartha, yeah. So if you turn, turn around, artha siddha siddhartha. Uh, uh, this is uh, what is uh, is useful. So that's the thing. So count your lucky stars. <laughs> First of all, uh, uh, because it'll it'll be uh, somewhere it's mentioned that the human body is is on the one hand it's rare because if you look at the number of jivas there are, the proportion anywhere is uh, of those that are human is very very tiny. Uh, I mean, just the germs on, you know, two square inches of skin is probably greater than the population of New York City and whatever, you know. So, I mean, very, very few jivas have the human form of life. So it's hard to obtain, yet somehow or other you've got it. So, you know, that's really uh, is a good fortune, somehow or other. Uh, and not a good idea to blow it. And to, the, 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 the fear is going should be going back down into these other forms of life. People fear the animal forms, but actually they should more fear the insect forms. But <laughs> that's, that's what people are more like. Than if you look at the. You know, sexual habits and other things of insects, and you can see that they, they anyway. Uh, so that's that's that's. Uh, uh, so this, this uh, attitude toward the, the human form of life then is is being uh, extolled here, and, and the human body uh, praised. Uh, I think we have to stop there now. So, uh, uh, three, three more verses uh, on this uh, this topic, and then uh, and then uh, uh, we go on to the uh, description of the process of transcendence and karma and, and uh, again and bhakti matter. Okay, so now we will stop for uh, the Q&A. What we'll do here is I'll take this phone.
phone now. It's on speaker. And uh, so that uh, people who are on, on the uh, on conference call can call in and everyone can hear uh, who's in the, in the room and also who's also on Ustream. And the people who are participating through Ustream can type in any questions or comments and then we'll share them with uh, the other people in the other modalities. People on the phone should press star six. People on the phone should press star six to speak. Uh, and did I press star six to star six to stop to? No. Okay. Okay. Kendra asks. Could you speak just a bit more about what would motivate someone to reside in hell? I am completely baffled by why somebody would want to reside in, in, in hell, uh, except that, uh, well, you know, Mark Twain said, the famous American doubter and atheist, um, um, this one said, heaven for climate, hell for society. In other words, he had noticed that all the church-going, Bible-loving people that he met in, in America were totally boring, and all the really interesting people were going to come, you know, drinking alcohol and so on, misbehaving according to the biblical tenets. Uh, they were the much more interesting people. So uh, the ones that were going to hell. So he said, heaven for climate, hell for society. Um, so Priya asks, could you address when it's permissible to act immorally on Krishna's behalf? I yes. understand that the guru may order, but how does he know? Uh... Well, a, a guru may have a better judgment than we do. Uh, and uh, as a general rule, for example, Srila Prabhupada wanted us to be law-abiding citizens. When, however, the law uh, made it impossible to practice Krishna consciousness, then we have disobeyed the law. Uh, when sometimes with book distribution we had to carry on illegally uh, when it was not allowed. Of course, we did everything to get it legal, uh, uh, and uh, that, that's always the preferred way. Uh, so that, that was his judgment that, that in this case we should break the law. Uh, that happened in Cajun America. Then uh, for a long time, Book distribution went on uh, behind the Soviet, uh, the, the, the Iron Curtain in the Soviet Union and other places where it was totally forbidden. Uh, and you could really go to jail and all those things like that. Uh, but the devotees did it there. Uh, and, uh, and so did, uh, you know, 
law-abiding Christians also attempt to distribute Bibles and other things in the Soviet Union. You know, nobody thought they were being bad to do that uh, either. Uh, uh, so that that's just, that's just one example. Those, but you shouldn't take this as a license. Now I'm about the law. Uh, but at the same time, if the law makes Krishna consciousness uh, impossible or really impedes the, the practice of spread of Krishna consciousness, then then that is it could be it could be broken. So, as based on Iskand history and even the present day, there seems to be some confusion in this respect. A specific example of Jayananda's stealing pairs of jeans because he didn't want to use Krishna's lakshmi for his personal needs. Yeah, he was following another law uh, that was some, well, he wasn't a counterculture person, but but, uh, I think Prabhupada would not have approved of his doing that if he told him. But other times, many devotees would take all kinds of things for Krishna's service because it was called, in the counterculture, liberating things. You know, one, one, one counterculture leader wrote a book called Steal This Book. I forgot which one, what his name was offhand. Steal This Book, because stealing was considered to be a political act against the system of karmas, karmas, commerce that held us all imprisoned and subjugated to the false god of the almighty dollar, and that uh, there was a general idea that pleasure should be free, and uh, so uh, the book was called Steal This Book, in which case the book, bookstores would carry it or at least keep it behind the counter. <laughs> so you couldn't fulfill the injunction. So that was that was a typical thing of of, uh, of of people doing things and then justifying it. Well, I'm using it for Krishna's service. It's okay. Uh, but Srila uh, uh, Prabhupada, when these kind of things are brought to his attention, was not in favor of it. And he certainly never did it himself, even when he was very poverty-stricken. Okay. Um, we have a phone question. Hare Krishna, uh, Prabhu, this is Prem Avatar Das. Um, my question is, um, is the Earth planet the only planet with humans? And a connected question to that is, um, the Earth planet seems to be some sort of grand central station for all types of living beings, whether from higher or lower planets, or even um, animals. Is this the only type of planet that uh, uh, has this type of function? Yes, so far as I know. Uh, there, there are. Uh, I mean, it's a little more complicated. Uh, for example, there's Bilas Farga, uh, the uh, subterranean heavenly planets, and they have their other special bodies. Uh, that's uh, they're not hells. They're called Svarga because uh, there's facility for material enjoyment. 
but it, it's it's the abode of the the anti gods, you can say. The, there's the there's the devas, and these are the the anti devas. Whereas hell is just a you know that's that's under the supervision of Yamaraj, and therefore people who are being punished. So we know about uh, Svarga, and then there's other kinds of beings which uh, are sometimes called Upadevas, uh, semi-demigods, <laughs> you could call them that. Uh, mm. uh, and, uh, and so those are left out of this, this basic description of heaven and hell. But uh, uh, I still suspect that even among the the Upadevas or, or the or the Asuras, those are still not as good as human life. That seems to be the general purport. And that's that's all I know about the Vedic version of what's in other places. <laughs> Prabhupada just says that all the all the all the planets or lokas are all inhabited. But they're 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 different kinds of bodies. Um, and I don't know how what the Vedic how the Vedic picture of the world, which, in my understanding, is the way the universal the universe appears to very advanced people who already have say yoga siddhas and things like that, or the capacity for yoga siddhas, and who see the world as it is connected with Krishna. It looks as though looks pretty much the way it's described in the fifth canto, how that world, shown by that kind of exploration, what the yogis can do by also traveling to other planets and so on, uh, and taking the Akasha Ganga from one place to another and all that other kind of stuff, how that compares to the universe that's available to our mortal vision, however enhanced by machinery that we've made, how these two compare with each other or fit together, I don't know how they fit together, and I don't even know that they fit together. In other words, what we see could be completely imaginary in a certain sense of the term. Mm. Uh, that's that. Uh, maybe we'll we'll get some more insight in that as we can investigate these things. But which we have a, a proposal to do that in connection with the Vedic Planetarium. Uh, there will be provisions for a research institution associated with it to research the Vedic uh, view of the universe. You may find these things out. But we don't need to wait for that to follow the Bhagavatam. Okay? Thank you. Okay. Um, Nash Krishna asks, Dear Prabhu, you talked about people who get satiated and disgusted of the material sense enjoyment only can attain bhakti. I also remember I read the material sense enjoyment is never satiated. How should we understand the satiation of material sense enjoyment in this context? It burns like fire and is never satisfied. 
talking about lust. Uh, uh, interestingly, to people who, who are in the mode of passion, they're, they're dis- they're, in, in one sense, everything available has not satisfied them. And that's why they get disgusted. Uh, and uh, but that doesn't stop. But the desire is still there. That somehow or other there has there they can find what they want. And uh, and of course another reason for disgust uh, with material world that's not uh, not mentioned here explicitly. But as one grows old, the body becomes less capable and less suitable for sense gratification. Your senses get duller and, and so on, and things that used to delight you can bore the hell out of you. Uh, uh, um, and the other thing is, is that uh, youthful vigor and uh, physical attraction goes away. And you have to uh, live out your life without these things. And so people become quite embittered uh, because nothing really satisfies them. This is the mode of passion. And then what they do uh, uh, out of disgust is, in this case, they will go to the mode of ignorance. If there's no pious credit or very little pious credit, their remedy will be the mode of, of ignorance and take refuge in uh, alcohol, typically, or other kinds of things, of, of, of just basic obliterating consciousness. Uh, that's, what, that, that's, that's, that's what they do. So... so uh, uh, that's that's uh, another tactic that people take, uh, and uh, and, uh, and their future is not bright e- either in that case. But a person who uh, at least has some piety, and at the same time uh, uh, can understand. Uh, the uh, frustration of human life. If you're if you're really smart, you don't have to undergo this stuff. You just have to look and see what happens. I mean, it only takes a few minutes to, to figure it out. Uh, uh, what's going on? This is supposedly the story of how uh, Lord Buddha attained enlightenment. He was a prince. And uh, there was an astrologer said that, that he was going to become a great renunciate. And his parents were not pleased with that, that prospect because they, of course, wanted him to become a king, which is, of course, the, in those days especially was the apex of material enjoyment. And so, so uh, they, they made sure he would not turn to the path of renunciation by keeping him within the, the palace grounds. And they kept every possible thing that could make him uh, disgusted or alarmed about material life away from him. 
There was only young, beautiful people around. Uh, so everything really like was there to satisfy his senses. But he became very curious about the outside world, which he was not allowed to see, and somehow or other he got out. And then there's a seer that, 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 that he uh, saw a person uh, uh, who was old, and he'd never seen an old person before. What happened to that person? Oh, that's natural. It's just an old person. Then he saw someone with disease. What's wrong with that? The sick people that make up get sick. Uh, and then he saw, saw a corpse. And then he understood the whole thing. Uh, but they see, but they don't see. Uh, Bhagavatam says. So it doesn't take it doesn't take much to uh, to to figure this out if you if you're alert. Uh, but people forget it. Uh, temporarily, the, there's the the it's uh, called smashna vairagya, the renunciation of the crematorium. So some relative dies. And you say, yeah, that's what this world is like. It's really temporary. I should become attached to it. And you know, I'm going to die too. And here's the family graveyard plot. And here are all my uh, relatives that are under the ground. And I'll go there too someday. And you think like that. But it only, the reason it's content, it only lasts for a little while. And you forget. Uh, you forget. Uh, and I've been uh, places where there's been some funeral and they go through all that, and then when they finally get home, they break out the booze and uh, start uh, you know, enjoying again. Uh, so that's that's that that's what's what what happens. Um, Kendra, it seems easy to take that the human form for granted, and not to consider how fortunate we are. These verses help put things in perspective. Is there, is there anything else you would like to say about this? Well, I think it does a good job here um, uh, about, about, about the human form of life. We should be, uh, I, I think that as devotees, we should have a great deal of feeling for those people who have got the human form of life and don't know what to do with it, who just waste it. I mean, the, 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 the waste, you can, you can appreciate what can actually be gained and what it's actually being used for. It's enough to keep you in tears, if you think about it, for a long time. Uh, and I'm told that when Prabhupada was taken out, he was going for a walk in, around Los Angeles, somewhere in California, it must have been L.A., it was early on, or San Francisco, he saw for the first time uh, people playing golf, golf course. And he saw grown men, you know, with a stick, those little sticks trying to get a ball into a hole. And I, I'm told that he started to cry. <laughs> Just thinking, this is how you have that. This, this is what you spend your human form of life doing, you know, trying to get a little ball in a hole with a stick. So he didn't appreciate the game of golf or all that. Some people try to turn it into a spiritual thing. 
golfing in the kingdom. There was some book that I tried But uh, anyway, uh, that that what what one one should re- really feel for people who who haven't even uh, trying trying to do this. And for the kind of huge, unacknowledged unhappiness that goes on all the time, in which most sense gratification is designed to cover up, to, to not only for other people, but actually for yourself too. You know, the, the official thing, we have this, therefore we are happy. We have this, therefore we are enjoying. And actually what's going on is uh, a kind of horrible grief that, uh, that people can't just deal with. Ramananda asks, how is it that if one who is afraid of fully surrendering is considered inimical towards the Lord, doesn't inimical connote envy, whereas one who is afraid might simply be weak or have doubt? You can, you, I, 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 I think we're talking about somebody who's come to that, this point of fully surrendering to the Lord uh, uh, and knows Krishna is God uh, uh, and uh, really has some, I, I think what would appear as a weakness or appear to doubt is actually but Bhaktivinoda Thakur calls a causeless unwillingness to surrender. Uh, and it's just, and it's inimical because I do not fully acknowledge that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And somehow or other there's some, something in my mind that will not grant him the actual status he, does, he has. And... and and not, and not only and not acknowledge it, not theoretically, but wholeheartedly. That is existentially. But it's not just theoretically that Krishna is God. It's that the, the consequence of Krishna is the supreme personality of God. It is I am His servant. And you have to see every sense gratification, act of sense gratification is an act of atheism. I am the enjoyer. Uh, I, I, I give Krishna all of this, but this part is for me. Uh, that may be part of piety, but, but that, and what I have for myself, I may do according to the laws of, 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 the, of some scripture. But still, I want this much, this is for Krishna and this is for me. Uh, actually acknowledging Krishna's position wholeheartedly is everything is for Krishna. And uh, also this is when humility develops when you actually surrender to Krishna. Because that something is for me means I'm some, somewhat of a competitor. And uh, and uh, um, and so, in that case, when there's not this this uh, uh, factual humility, uh, bhakti does not uh, manifest itself. That's why you need the example of great devotees to actually understand what humility is, uh, to, in my mind, anyway. Otherwise, you don't see it anywhere. 
you, you see you know, people following maybe the official behavioral things that indicate humility, but they're not humble. They want to be famous for being humble, so therefore it's a kind of pride. <laughs> yeah, I did that too. I'm humble. <laughs> okay. So we well, we pick up again with uh, text number fifteen next week, Canto Eleven, Chapter Twenty, oh, Number Fifteen. Oh yeah, another question. So the three asks, if you are not sent for sent, it's all for Krishna. Does he cut you a break if you're at least trying? Yeah, he cuts you a break. Uh, I, 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 I think so. I make it make it really hard, make it impossible for you to continue in the present way. Somehow, rather, it could do that. I mean, if if we don't want Krishna, you won't get Krishna. You really have to want Krishna. And if I don't really want Krishna, I have to look at myself and say, "What's wrong with me?" What's my problem? What is it? And then uh, you, that, that way we make progress. Uh, we will always hope for the best and that, that Krishna will, you know, preserve what we have and carry what we lack and all, all these things. But still, uh, we shouldn't... Uh, we shouldn't uh, be complacent uh, on that that, uh, that statement. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada ki jai. Shri Bhagavatam ki jai.